Hello, and welcome to the Slow Style Home Podcast. If you don't want a cookie-cutter, generic home, and instead you want a beautiful, meaningful home that's layered with personality, then you are going to be so inspired by the conversations we have on this show. We talk about why the environments we create matter and how to set up our rooms to evoke specific feelings and experiences that are right for you wherever you are in your life right now. I'm Zandra, your host and creator of the Slow Style Home Framework that teaches you how to make really thoughtful and informed decisions about your home rather than chasing current trends that may not last or staying stuck with rooms you hate, feeling overwhelmed with too many choices. Right now, when you join our monthly membership, the Slow Style Society, you'll get a personalized deep dive into your vision of what a dream home looks and feels like. And together, we'll come up with a plan on how to achieve that. If that sounds pretty awesome to you, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society for all of the details. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later on. Right now, let's just jump into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Style Matters podcast, brought to you by Little Yellow Couch. I'm Zandra, your host, and I am so glad you're here because we may just have found a kindred spirit in one another. This podcast is all about creating a beautiful home based on the substantive things that matter in our lives. So if that is something you are as excited about as I am, we are going to be friends forever. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you about the first Little Yellow Couch Style Retreat of 2020. Woohoo! April 3rd through 5th, we'll be meeting up at the gorgeous Foxfire Mountain House in the Hudson River Valley just north of New York City. As with all of my retreats, this is a weekend getaway that's a true gift to yourself. You'll be immersed in design inspiration with time set aside for us to talk specifically about your home and the style and atmosphere you want to create. We'll also take some field trips to visit with my favorite designers and antique shops along the way. Plus, chow down on fantastic food and drink all within an inclusive, welcoming vibe, because that's what makes these retreats really special. Beyond the incredible amount of inspiration you'll get, it's the community we create amongst our group. If your friends don't get you and your obsession with interiors and your home, you'll find your people here at a Little Yellow Couch style retreat. And I can promise that because it's the aspect of the retreats I've gotten the most comments on from previous guests. They expect to come away with lots of new ideas and knowledge about design, but what they end up valuing the most is each other. So, when will you have all of the details at your fingertips? Well, I hope to have registration open by the end of this week, which is the week of February 24th, if you're not listening, right when it comes out on Monday. In the meantime, you can go to littleyellowcouch.com forward slash retreats to get a sense of the place and activities on the docket. Okay, and while you're there at littleyellowcouch.com, if you haven't already done so, be sure to print out my free worksheet on creating a style manifesto for your home. In it, you'll start to identify how the intangible aspects of our lives, our values, our 
passions and personalities can show up in your home through your design choices. It's a great foundation no matter what your living situation is, whether you've just rented your first apartment or have been in your forever home for years. Okay, let's get on with today's episode and my guest. Nina Freudenberger of House Interior joins me today to talk all about books. Now, if you're someone who reads voraciously, you're going to love this conversation. I, for one, literally can't fall asleep without reading. And when I finish a book and I don't have a new one to start right away, I go into a slight panic. I'm sure many of you can relate to this. So I was super excited to find Nina's new book, Biblio Style, How We Live at Home with Books, because she marries two of my personal passions, reading and home. In her book, she answers the question, does the way we display our books tell as much about who we are as the books themselves? I think you're going to love it. Here's Nina. Nina, welcome to Style Matters. I am so in love with your book. I cannot wait to spend a lot of time talking about it. But before we jump into that, I would love it if you would tell people a little bit about what you do, your styling um, and design work, and also your first book, Surf Shack. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Oh, thank you. So I, uh, I'll start with my background. I went to Rhode Island School of Design for Architecture. Uh, there I received my Bachelor's of Architecture and my math, uh, uh, Bachelor's of Art. It was a wonderful program right after I moved to New York City. Got my first job at a big architecture firm. And in that big firm, being a woman or maybe they noticed something uh, that I would be better maybe interfacing with clients. They pushed me over to the interior design side. And I actually, at first I was a little resistant, but I ended up loving, loving the field. It wasn't something I thought I was going to be doing, but I love the shortened timelines. I love the interactions with the clients. I loved talking to people about home. Uh, It was just a really wonderful experience. And I felt like I found my calling. So tell us a little bit about Surf Shack and how that came about. Sure. So Surf Shack, you know, I had uh, been working in New York City for a long time. I, uh, After I worked at that interior design firm, I then ventured out on my own, started taking private clients, and then opened actually my own store in New York City on Elizabeth Street. I had it for eight years. It was a home design store. Oh, a store. I don't think I knew that about you. Okay. It was a real, it was, you know, trying to sell um, affordable, but uh, inspiring or, you know, authentic makers for yeah. home, you know, almost as an elevated version of a West Elm or, or a Crate and Barrel. Um, right. And I loved having that store. And I think what was happening was that I was enjoying interior design, but I was also looking to do other things within that field. So I was interested in the buying process. I was interested in um, curating a shopping experience. And I moved to California. Uh, I met my husband and I moved out here and I moved to Venice, California, which every most New Yorkers just end up moving out here uh, to that area. I think we all you know, figure we're in LA, let's live by the beach. Yeah. And so we all end up there. And I loved it so much. And but I was completely caught off guard by the difference in culture in California to New York City. I think for me, it was I was so used to this extreme work culture in New York City. And you know, people getting up at 5am, 
going directly to work, coffee in hand, shoes in bag, you know, like really the hustle is very real in New York city. Yes. <laughs> and I love that energy too, but I saw then this whole other side, like I would see people walk by our house at five in the morning with a surfboard. So I was completely fascinated. And then as I started to get to know people, though, everything about the culture on Venice beach was, was different. It was very relaxed, laid back, but I found the people to be incredibly sophisticated. A lot of them were running their own design firms. Um, it was, uh, I was, I was blown away by the creativity and how people were living in their home. The attitude was relaxed, uh, comfortable. No, nothing felt fussy. It felt very natural to me, uh, intuitive, but they were all risk takers. And I thought there's a connection here. You know, there's something about being able to do things like surfing and kind of give yourself into this passion that you have. And then also about how do you create your home with that same passion. Right. And so I love that. And I, pitched that to an editor and she had, I don't, you know, there was no reason why she should have said yes to this idea. It was crazy. It was a, it was a, a, you know, changed my life for sure. But she was like, let's do this. And she took a big chance and she kind of let me just go and explore. And so, yeah, it was an unbelievable opportunity. All right, let's get into your new book, Biblio Style, which I've already gushed about. I'd like to know, first of all, what made you want to do an interior design book about books? So Surfshack was an exploration about how people built their homes around their love of surfing. And I wanted to continue going into people's homes. I am so obsessed with seeing how real people live authentically in their homes. When thinking about home, I thought, what things make a home? And... It's a really interesting question for an interior designer because, you know, we could say furniture, we could say lighting, we could say your family, we could say, you know, there are, there are ultimately there are many versions to this. But in my, I was really thinking about how do you, you know, accommodate a passion in your house that could be anywhere in any room and then you make room for it because you feel it feels so important in your life everywhere. The answer to that was books. And I even even working with people and private clients, like the moment that you add books to the bookshelves, to the tables, to, uh, you know, tabletops, it changes everything. There's, there's something that books do that creates a life within a home. I'm going to quote you because I, I think that you sum it up beautifully in your book as well. You say... Surrounding yourself with books you love tells the story of your life, your interests, your passions, your values. And I couldn't agree with that more. And I, I, that's, that's, that's it for me right there. I, that's why books make such great I, decor. I mean, I hate to say decor because I don't mean the books that we don't read, the books that are empty and just for looks and the fake books that you can buy sometimes in some big box stores. I, I mean, the books that you love, they, they are a part of who you are. They are. They really, really are. And, you know, sometimes I, when I go in over to people's homes, I usually get, gravitate directly to the to the bookshelf. And, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't want to make anyone feel self-conscious, but I do think we all do this. We kind of try to take a, a reading or a, a, a quick glimpse into what this person cares about, right? You can, yeah. and But it says so much. It's a, basically the story of that person 
on their bookshelves. And yeah. uh, I, I just think that's a really interesting way to get to know someone. And it also allowed us to really dive in deep with the people that we were meeting and going into their homes. We would go in there and just start talking about books. And then someone would start crying because it was such an emotional time when they received the book, or we were talking about legacy and death, or we were talking about, you know, the most intimate things come out of a bookshelf. And that's how I wanted to visit a home too, feeling like I have knowledge of this person. Yeah. It's, it's such a great, thing to focus on when you're talking about how to create meaning in your home. It's just such, I think we overlook it sometimes because often the books sort of just stay in place once they're on the shelf. But when you do move them around or you do make them front and center or they, or they create this sort of beautiful, colorful backdrop to your surroundings, it it then becomes very intertwined with the life of the home. So I want to talk about how you organize the book because I, I'm wondering, it, maybe it took you a little while to figure out how am I going to kind of categorize different types of homes or maybe different types of readers to create a book that, that kind of made sense. So tell us about the chapters. You know, of course I could have arranged this book geographically. I could have arranged it by the style of their home or by their profession. There were similarities. There were ways to group this. There were so many different other opportunities. But I thought it's really, if this book is about the home library, I think we have to talk about how, how these people viewed themselves and how they arranged, how they felt about their books and how they uh, behaved with their library or their collection. I think that that gives us a clue to your whole philosophy about design, because instead of, like you said, categorizing by type of house, let's say, or minimalism and maximalism, or a type of style like boho or traditional, you categorized it by the reader, by the type of reader they are, and by the by how they live with their books and use their books, and you're putting the person front and center, which I think is so important in design that that I think people forget about because we get so uh, focused on the things, the objects, the couch, the rug, the paint color, you know? Thank you so much. I do, I do take that into my own work for sure. Uh, it's really about, for me, it's a, when I, in my practice, it's about the client. It's, it's not about me. So, uh, and, and in this case, it's, someone once told me the biggest thing in interior design, the most important thing, your 80% of your time should just be spent at a meeting, just listening. And I would say that almost every interior designer just loves to talk. So, uh, it, it's interesting to me because I had to really listen to these people because it wasn't, Some of it was out on the bookshelves, but some of it was in their brain, and we had to get it out. So let's talk about each one. When you talk about the sentimentalists, what does that mean to you? Well, these were people that had just feelings towards their books. They were sentimental. They they had so much emotion wrapped into their book collection that there was no way of taking it out. So... For example, Athena McAlpine. She's yeah. this incredible woman. First chapter, she has this gorgeous convent in Puglia, which she transformed into a bed and breakfast. It's also her home. 
And it's also, it was the home that her and her husband, her late husband had purchased together and imagined this beautiful life together there. He built this book collection with her and uh, it's all through the halls. It lines the halls, every room, every single room. And um, she, her, the, hus the memory of her husband and their life together is completely wrapped up in this home library. And it is so interesting because it it talks about legacy and and what and you know she has she feels so strongly towards these books she, they're stuck she's stuck with them you know in a in a yeah. beautiful way but also I think she feels a uh, she feels maybe a little burdened with them burdened yeah. by them there's definitely some sadness wrapped up in them and I just there was just no way the information that she has about these books, every book she'd pick up was about, you know, where they purchased it together, why it was so important to him, why is it in this shelf, because she could, she wants to make sure she sees it every time she, you know, walks down the hall. It was just so emotional and emotionally driven that I thought it was that, you know, that's what that, that entire category is really about. Yeah. And I, I really got the sense at the end of that chapter, she said something about, She's almost ready to lighten that load because she needs to move on. We'll be back after a quick break. I assume you're here because you want a one-of-a-kind, personality-filled home, right? Well, in order to have that, you need to define and develop your signature style. When you do that, you're going to understand how to mix what you already have with new things you find, focusing on who you are and what you love, putting it all together in a cohesive way. So what's stopping you? Well, let me know if this sounds about right. Not enough time, not enough money, and a lack of creativity or design knowledge, which makes you feel overwhelmed and insecure about pulling the trigger and changing things up. This is why I created the Slow Style Society, to help you take action on making your dream home a reality. It's part social club for people who like to just geek out on design, and part hands-on learning experience where you get better and better at making decor decisions for each room in your home. And for the next few weeks, I'm offering all new members an additional one-on-one -on -one style session with yours truly. So I'll take you through the lessons so you know exactly what to focus on inside the Slow Style Framework, in what order, and you'll have a personalized support system from me to get you there. Go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society so we can get started right away. Let's not wait for that imaginary perfect time to create your beautiful, meaningful home. Again, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society. Okay, back to the episode. Yeah, and it was this long conversation, and we looked at her, and then I, she said those words. I, I wasn't sure she was re really ready, right, uh, right. you know, because she, she was living with them in in such a – they were just so part of her surrounding. Well, I think if anybody is needing a, an excuse to travel to Italy, this is it before she sells this place, if she sells it, because it it's so gorgeous and – you know, uh, the the photos in your whole book are, are absolutely gorgeous. Um, what about the intuitives? Who are they? 
So the intuitives, when we talked about their book collections, they really talked to us about how they use their library. And uh, these are all creatives in this category. They were, you know, a fashion, uh, someone who has a fashion store, Philip Lim fashion designer, Roman Alonzo, you know, runs commune. Yeah. They were all using their library as a creative source. Uh, they would but and, and it was a working library, so they were constantly pulling books off their shelves. But the way that they were arranged was exclusively uh, dictated by the thoughts in their brain. For example, Philip Lim says, as someone looks at his book collection, it would essentially be like a map to his brain because he would put a sculpture, uh, a book about sculptures and like, you know, Noguchi sculptures next to um, Candida Hoffer. And in his mind, those two things are very much connected. No one else would understand what that connection was, but he knew what it was. They were hyper-organized, but only right. based on his thoughts and how he intuitively categorized things. And then, like you said, then therefore they're really useful and usable to him because they're referring to a way he's thinking creatively. So that's, yeah. And, okay, let's move on to the arrangers. So the arrangers were people that were uh, maybe more heavy on the book collecting side okay. and really viewed their books as a collection as a whole. So uh, like Larry McMurtry, I would, I would I mean, maybe he could find a book, but he had so many books that he, that I'm not sure that if he could just like pull a bookshelf off the book, you know, a book off the bookshelf in two minutes. But, right. you know, these were true people that were looking at their collections as a whole and, um, and really set up systems almost like a library. So, okay. and in some cases, a library. So, um, Larry McMurtry has bookstores. He he ha he moves books from his home collection to an enormous bookstore in Archer City, Texas, yeah. and sells them. But I mean, he's he categorizes them like a traditional bookstore. Um, right. Todd Heido uses a you know a real library system for his books, and he takes them very seriously. And about and how he has uses a whole program to arrange them. Uh, you know, similar to the like Dewey Decimal System, but it's very serious. So I thought those people were taking care of their collections as a whole and trying to figuring out an ordering system that was almost more, a little bit more standard, maybe. Right, right. More, even more scientific. And the professionals, um, who are these people? These were people who make their living around books. So not only do they have a love for books, but they've completely curated their their love of books into their profession. Okay. We have um, Sylvia Beach Whitman, whose father, uh, you know, started, grandfather originally, I think, and then her father ran, um, the owner of uh, Shakespeare and Co. in Paris, which, as you know, is like, you know, that's one of your, if you're a book lover, you go there. Right. And um, if a bookstore can be famous, that's it. That and The Strand, which I think is also in your book, right? Absolutely. So yeah. I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's in her blood. It's like her entire lifestyle. She, you know, she, we taught, we visited her at home. She has her own modest book collection. She is reading every day, um, but she goes to work and then she's managing a bookstore. And I, and there's politics involved in that. There's, you know, the functioning of a bookstore. She's surrounded it by all day. Who are the people that are coming in just to take a look? What are people care about? It's, it's entire, her whole life is the book. Right. And the business of it, right? The marketing of it and the, you know, the dealing with the whole popularity craze and bestseller craze and Oprah's book club and Reese's book club and, you know, all of that side of things. It's, Yeah. 
So that right. So we have all those people that are really make their living on the books. So that's the that's what I would categorize the professionals. And so how do the collectors, which is your last section, how are they different from everybody else? So these people had book collections uh, that were very specific. I felt the curation of a like a tight organizational theme was was really important to them. Uh, for example, um, uh, Carolina Irving, you know, she does those gorgeous textiles that we know um, of. She's just, she's incredible. Um, you know, her book collection is really centered around botanicals, like flora and fauna and traveling. And yeah. you could pull off within that, those three categories, you could pull up any book off the shelf and it would hit one of those three categories. Um, you know, of course she had books on, like that she was reading and novels and things like that, but I, her collection was really specific. And I thought these are people that you could go into their homes, look at their bookshelves and probably guess what they, what their profession was or what they cared about. You know, it wasn't a larger picture of, of everything. Um, but it was a very hyper specific interest that they had and they curated their collection based around that. And I love that. So, so So looking through the book book myself, myself, like I mentioned mentioned before, the photos photos are are absolutely absolutely gorgeous. gorgeous. Your introduction introduction is perfect. perfect. And And I'm wondering what I got out of it was a lot of inspiration because I already love books because I already have so many. They're a huge part of my home and how I decorate and live in it lots of inspiration but what what was your hope or even intention that people reading this would get out of this book there are multiple things that i cared about when i was making this book i think the i think one of the most important things to me in general is to show how people live with their books and i or live in their homes and i find that in our very saturated image-heavy world of interior design, like Pinterest, Instagram, all of that, we're seeing a lot of perfection out there, like a lot of very clean, tidy spaces that are just set up for the camera. And I... And highly curated, right? Like really uh, nothing's out of place. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. That's not... And I look around my home and I care about how things look and, you know, I'm an aesthetic person, but life happens in your home right like you know uh and then there are moments that are not so perfect in everyone's home and there's something about the in the how beautiful i think the imperfect is or something that's not so heavily curated and you know book collections cannot be an authentic book collection cannot be heavily curated what i was trying to say was that it was so hard i couldn't there was no way for me to go into any of these homes and make it and fix it. I couldn't style it. I couldn't rearrange their bookshelves. No matter what happened, there was no changing what I was seeing, right? Like I would, it would take me like two months to, to, if I had to style their, their bookshelves perfectly, it would have, I mean, you'd have to take every book off. I mean, there's just no way. And it kind of was like, this is just how it is. And I am only, it is a, I'm just documenting how people are living. And that is mean is a sense of freedom for me Uh I am so interested in it and I just find that um I just really want to observe and I'm 
just interested in learning how people really live at home. That is really wonderful. It's refreshing. It's it's definitely something that I think the people who listen to this podcast, I think that they are going to be really happy to hear that. I think they're going to be able to relate to it because everyone who listens is really passionate about their homes. But I think you're right, 99% of the resources we have out there is just regular homeowners, not designers, just regular people is more about the of cultivating a very particular look and forgetting about what happens when the dog comes in with mud or I don't know any anything you go on a trip and then it takes you two weeks to unpack your suitcase because you're so busy and so then stuff just piles up I mean anything and with bookshelves in particular especially if you're using them or like you said if it's an authentic collection they're going to be a little bit messy. You're using them, right? And um, they, they're living, breathing things. And I, I think that you have captured that so beautifully in this book. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That's, that's so nice to hear. Well, it was wonderful having you on. And I look forward to whatever your third book's going to be. Do you have any idea or you're not even thinking about it yet? Uh, I'm actually, I just sent out my book proposal. Oh, fantastic. Do you, do you want to give us a sneak peek or not yet? I can't. It, okay. it will, but it is once again about the home and it'll be around the world, hopefully, this time again. This is all just a big excuse for you to travel around the world, isn't it? I would say that that would be 60% <laughs> of, the, of the making of a book. I love it. I love traveling. It's just, it's amazing. And um, I've always uh, wanted to do something like this and I feel really fortunate and it's inspiring and it keeps me going every day so that's great well I can't wait I'm sure we'll be in touch and I'll have you back on the show again fabulous thank you so much for having me this was such a nice conversation thanks so much for listening don't forget to subscribe to the little yellow couch newsletter so you can get your hands on my foundational worksheet all about creating your own style manifesto It'll put you in the right mindset for any project you're about to tackle in your home. You can find it at littleyellowcouch.com. Have a great weekend, and I'll be back in your earbuds next Monday. Thanks so much for listening. I know your time is valuable, and I really do appreciate you spending it with me. And please, please, please take a minute to leave a review for Slow Style Home wherever you get your podcasts. It honestly does help keep this show on the air, and your feedback is highly valuable to me. Have a great day, and I'll be back in your earbuds soon. Bye for now.